Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Good evening and welcome to Tuttle Vision, a show presented to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Jack Smith, joined in studio by Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling. We were going to be recapping USC's 52-42 loss to Washington. We'll still do a little bit of that, but guys, we have to talk about some breaking news in the USC football program. Alex Grinch is out as defensive coordinator. Lincoln Riley relieved him of his duties earlier today. There's already a lot of thought in the chat. I'm sure we'll have callers later. We've got a voicemail that we'll get to. What were your guys' initial reactions to Alex Grinch being fired? It's kind of the, the big news of the day and really the big news of the season. Yeah, it's huge, uh, huge news. You know, Shotgun and I were around for years and years of how many questions will we get? When is Clay Helton going to be fired? It just kept going and going and going. This wasn't that long, but it was approaching it where, you know, the end of last season, people wanted to make a change at defensive coordinator, the Cotton Bowl. They really wanted to make a change, and then Lincoln Riley announced that uh, Alex Grinch was coming back. It was not a popular decision, um, just like when uh, Mike Bone first retained Clay Helton uh, when he came on, and that wasn't a popular decision. And unfortunately, you make that unpopular decision, it can go one way or another. Uh, for Mike Bone, it didn't go very well, and Clay Helton kept going down. And unfortunately for Lincoln Riley, and I completely get when we sat down with him and chatted, like the reasoning behind keeping the staff intact. It made sense. I mean, he's a smart coach. I gave him the benefit of the doubt. The decision wasn't, it didn't work out. Uh, I mean, I, I get the reasoning behind it, but it did not work. And this defense looked as bad or worse with better players than it did last year. And week after week of uh, subpar performances, sometimes you win and you can just say, oh, well, you won the game. And then, then you lose. And then you almost lose. And then you lose. Um, Three losses, two at home. Lincoln Riley's never lost at home. First time Lincoln Riley's not been ranked in the AP as USC's head coach. There is too much. And the, the records being set in the Washington game Saturday night were absolutely stunning. We'll probably get into some of those. I don't think you had much of a, a choice. I know there were some fans that were saying, uh, Alex Richards, you know, he's going to bring him back and all this stuff. It's like it, the way he was talking, you knew this was not, you couldn't keep this going. I just wasn't sure if he was going to pull the trigger uh, midseason, but I think Saturday night's game was so bad and the numbers were so awful and it, you you can't just say a couple plays here or there. It's just like over and over. Washington averaged 5.2 yards per, I mean, 5.2 points per drive. Like 10 drives, seven touchdowns, a field goal, uh, intercepting in the end zone that would have been a touchdown and a, uh, a one three and out. And you just can't 
do that. You can't let a guy that's ran, run for 100 yards once in his life go for 256 and four touchdowns. There's, there's just things, you know, a, a, not, a team that doesn't run the ball very well looked like, um, you know, Gale Sayers and stuff back there. You can't do that kind of stuff. So I think Lincoln Riley didn't have any choice. And I know some people in the chat are saying, uh, was this forced upon him? I think Lincoln Riley's making the decisions. I think he wanted, when he decided to bring Alex Grinch back, he wanted it to work. And I think he did everything in his power to try to make it work. And it's unfortunate. You make a call, you think whatever it is, and you realize after a while, this isn't working. I made the wrong choice. Lincoln Riley made the wrong choice. And it took a while. You're here. I think this is what needed to happen uh, for the program. Uh, I'm not sure how much it's going to change the next two games or next three games or whatever, um, but it needed to happen. So uh, it's good that it did. It, you know, in retrospect, it would have been good earlier. Uh, all the um, everyone that was, uh, you know, the, what was it? What was the term? The uninformed? No, it was the uh, untrained, untrained, untrained eye. eyes. Uh, their untrained eyes happened to be right. I'm not saying they, you know, sometimes you're right for the wrong reasons, whatever it was. But people that were very critical of the defense end up being right. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's one of those things that, that happens. Uh, I think it's the right move for uh, the program right now, as much as I, you know, I like Alex Grinch as a person, people get mad, but like, I like him. It was fun to talk to him, but the nowhere near good enough. It wasn't even close to being good enough uh, for the kind of talent you had on the team to the results that we were getting on the field. There was a, a major, major, Disconnect because I still feel it's a very talented team. So the right thing you had to do it. Um, it would have been better, you know, if you could have done something earlier. But if you're in the middle of the season, I don't know how much is going to change. This would have ba basically been after the Cotton Bowl. You make a decision to change. Uh, Lincoln Riley had his reasonings for not making a change. Uh, like I said, wasn't the right call there. And uh, now you kind of have to put the pieces together and figure something out uh, for the last the rest of the part of the season. Then obviously look forward to. 2024 and the Big 12, I mean the Big 10, uh, with a new defensive coordinator. Yeah, honestly, at the end of last season, it was it was not good. But I thought the defense would really improve this year. One, because you're going to get more talent. They were just there was a talent deficiency, especially at the in the front uh, the front of the defense, and they attacked some of those areas. Some of those transfers that they got in, expected to do a little bit more, have not panned out for them. That's been an issue a little bit. But when you add someone like Barry Alexander, he's been a game changer for them. So, you know, you add more talent. Okay, I think the defense should be better just in terms of talent. But then it felt like, you know, second year in a defense, you know, a lot of guys, they're going to have experience. So, you know, those alignment issues they had last year, those will get fixed, right? And that never happened. That's the biggest thing to me is they, they can't line up. If you can't line up, how are you supposed to stop somebody? Um, and you thought that those things would get corrected. I mean, even the missed tackles, like you could have the same number of missed tackles as last year, but if you're lined up correctly all the time, there should be an extra person there a lot of times. Uh, because yesterday, I mean, Dylan uh, Dylan Johnson, you know, he ran for 4.96 yards per carry, pretty solid, before he got touched. <laughs> Before he got touched, he ran for five yards. Yeah. So, like, that's unacceptable. And that's the biggest issue with this defense is, guy, you know, whatever they game plan for. And, you know, if you looked at the game plan and said, hey, you know, you hold Michael Penix under 300 yards, you hold those top two receivers 130 yards total and one touchdown, seems like a pretty good defensive effort. But 
you wouldn't be expecting the running back that has one career 100-yard game, which was exactly 100 yards, I believe, going for 256 and four touchdowns. So, like, that's the thing. There's constantly someone creating a new career high, a new historic feat, uh, the latest historic feat for the USC defense. USC in the 134 years of the college football, of the program, or 134 years since they started playing football, had never had six consecutive games giving up 34 plus points. That has now happened. They'd only had two other seasons where they'd had six games, and that was 2021 and 2022, and now 2023. So uh, the defense has been bad for a while. They've got to get more talent on the defensive side, but they've also got to be able to be able to line up correctly. I mean, RJ had the suggestion in his his column last night, which you haven't read that. I think it's a really good read. Um, but he said they should take a whole day of practice instead of going fast like you do in the air raid. We're just going to work on lining up. Yeah. So, you know, with all these type things, you know, this the constant, you give up 101 points in back to back and two combined games back to back, you know, you're going to look for, you know, someone's head to roll, and that's what eventually happened here. Um, I thought the defense would get better as the season progressed, too. I thought, you know, some of those transfers, those young guys get, but it just never it happened. Worse. It got yeah. worse. And, um, and that's, you know, if that happens, you have to make a change. Yeah. And we talked about that last night. We talked about it on an instant, both last night and earlier, Jack and I. Um, but, you know, it just seemed obvious. It seemed inevitable. So you might as well just rip the Band-Aid off now and start getting prepared for the future, I think. And, hey, you give some of those other guys, you know, Brian Odom, Sean Newell, you give them an opportunity and see what they can do with it. And maybe something does change. But if you kept Alex Grinch, it was just going to be the same thing regardless. Yeah. So that- you, you're kind of betting, like, all right, well, let's take a gamble and see if it does get better. Because if it if it gets worse, it it can't really. No, and I think that that's the problem is you do want to see the defense get better, and it got worse. And I think some of the procedural things, um, high level stuff, where they can't get lined up. There's there's things that you have to change your philosophy. Like, okay, if this is what we want to do, like if we're running a restaurant, we love the food analogies, and for whatever reason, as soon as the lunch rush comes in. Uh, the menus aren't there or the it's it, it, no one's getting their food on time. You're like, okay, you know what we're going to do? Uh, we're going to get the menus printed out a little bit earlier. or we're gonna, like, No, we're going to do exactly the same. We're just trying to make sure that, okay, have the waiter that's got to do those 15 things. Make sure he gets the, the menus and that's, you know, the 14 things he does. And for each week, you know, every day it's like, okay, we're still not getting the menus to the, the customers on time. Their lunch is still not going smoothly. And you're not changing, well, okay, then our process, our procedure is probably wrong. Like we need to change this. Someone else is going to do this part of it. You have to do something different just to make it work. Like you can't have defenders as soon as the offense makes a shift. Oh, they put somebody in motion. Now everybody's screwed, and like you're you're taking people out of gaps. And there's only one defender on the side of the field where there's two wide receivers. You have to make a change. Like we're gonna do something different to address this problem. And it was like we're not gonna do something different. We're just gonna make sure we do it the right the right way, the way we're supposed to. And I think that was the biggest problem. It was just like doubling down, tripling down on this is our procedures. We're going to keep doing it as opposed to this isn't working. We're going to change the way we do it. We're going to, the way we, you know, print out the menus and the, and we're going to have the waiters come an hour early, whatever it is, you change that so you can make sure lunch goes smooth. But no, you're like, well, everyone's just got to do their job and then lunch will go smooth. We, and day after day, lunch is like a disaster. And you're like, well, why isn't it working? Change your procedure. And they, Alex Grinch, from at least from the outside, it didn't look like anything was changing. They just were trying to execute better, and that's not good enough. You have to make a change. Like, look, 
this ain't working. Like, I don't want people looking at their wristbands when the ball's being snapped or looking to the sidelines. And that was happening way too often. So for me, it was more about every week when there were screw-ups, you didn't change something um, major. It was sort of just like, well, we just got to do this better. Or that guy didn't go in his gap. It's like, no, there are bigger problems afoot, if that makes sense. I think if I was sitting down for dinner and the waiter's jumping up and down and waving his hands, look over here, we got the wrong menus, I think it would throw me off a little bit. We've got some questions in the chat uh, about whether we're going to take callers. We'll do that on the back half of the show. Same number as always, 5124 Tunnel. There's already so many comments in the chat. If you guys want to leave yours, leave any questions. We have like we can get 700 people on YouTube right now. Holy cow. So let's, not, Shotgun, I know you've got one more. The, not quite the Clay Hilton firing. That was a pretty big one. one. We had over a thousand, I think, for that. Or did we get the two? We might no, have like two thousand. I don't remember exactly, but it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I agree with Ryan. Like, it, it's not. This isn't the absolute fix. And hiring a new defense coordinator is not an absolute fix. There needs to be. You need to look at how you attack practices, and you know whether that needs to be changed. Now, maybe the new DC comes in and says, "I need this much time," or "I need this." to be able to create a successful defense and like around make some adjustments but it's not just you sub somebody in you sub the Jim Leonard or whoever that you know is the hot name on our hot boards and stuff you sub that person in and you do the same things at practice and it'll be fine like there has to be some different changes and you expect a coordinator when they come in and it'll be interesting to see who is retained who is not and all those type things that that take place when a new coordinator comes in uh, but it, like I mean just simply it seemed inevitable and USC went ahead and made the decision today, announced it, and Jack and I were actually on campus, um, you know, and it, it was, I would say, it felt kind of somber on campus, some of the players that I did see, uh, and, and that's probably more so, less this news and more so the game last night, but uh, you, we'll see how they bounce back from this. It'll be a different media schedule this week as far as when we have availability, so we'll talk to Lincoln Riley tomorrow. Uh, Ryan and I will not because we will be in Vegas for the basketball team. Real quick plug, basketball season starts tomorrow, people. If you're upset with how USC football is going, there you got the number one, number 21 ranked uh, basketball team and number 21 ranked, I think, for the women's basketball team as well. Both of them will be in action tomorrow on True TV for the women and TNT for the men. We'll be covering it uh, live from Vegas. So real quick uh, plug there for basketball. Yeah, the plug, if you guys are not a member, so thanks to everyone that's in the, the chats on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. We're live on all the, the platforms. Um, if you're not a subscriber to uscfootball.com, we just started a deal today, 50% off. So make sure you go uh, take advantage of that. Smash the like button, share it with all your friends, all that. But if you want to sign up and get the inside info of what's going on, the hot board like Shotgun mentioned, go to uscfootball.com. That's where you get all the juicy info. I'll pile on with one more. I know you guys had an, an interesting conversation just now before I got to the studio. Do you want to plug that as well? Yeah, I, pu I put it in the chat. So um, thanks again to House of Victory. We've been doing these long uh you know sit downs with different football players and we've had uh one a week to start we've been doing two a week since and today we did two at once we had in these very seats uh zachariah branch and zion branch it's going to go up on our youtube channel and on uscfootball.com probably this tomorrow morning by the time we get up but we sat with them for an hour talking about football stuff the trick play uh zion's injury his recovery um the procedure all that kind of stuff so we got Exclusive access to the Branch Brothers, so make sure you go check that out, too. I, I uh, feel like I'm going to be more athletic from sitting in the same seat. I feel like it's some of it, <laughs> yes. And, like, just talking to their parents and, like, the, you know, they were they would get punished by the dad. If they were arguing or, like, fighting over a toy, the dad would flip over 
uh, an, they, hourglass. an hourglass, and they would have to like do planks until the, the hourglass <laughs> ran out. Like if friends came over, and he's like, "Don't." He was telling me out there, he's like, "Don't tattle on each other. Don't mess things up. Just keep it amongst yourself. Fix it. If you don't fix it, I'll fix it." And he breaks out the hourglass. He was a great dude. Like he was great to talk yeah. to. So the whole family was. It's fantastic. an awesome family. So I hope you guys enjoy the. Uh, yeah, the four of us all had a, a really long chat, so it was fun. Well, not to make a more entertaining show more entertaining and cool, we've got a voicemail. We teased it earlier in the show. It comes from Fox Sports' own Colin Coward, who obviously runs the herd on Fox Sports. He gave Ryan a voicemail last night, of course, before the news happened that Alex Grinch was fired, but we should still take a listen. I don't know how you don't fire Alex Grinch. The locker room would seemingly be so divided. The offensive players are putting up incredible numbers and the defense be it washington or cal can't make any stops and it's one thing if it was just a personnel issue but they're in the wrong place seemingly every drive a screen pass a simple screen pass looks like a flea flicker against that defense with gaping holes at one point Washington ran to the short side of the field, an off-tackle play. It gained over 30 yards. goal line stand, USC's got half the team as small bodies on the field. It's not smartly schemed. Uh, it's not coordinated. It looks chaotic. Washington has limitations physically. Um, USC's defense has lots of four- and five-star either transfers or recruits. And I'm also noticing players aren't getting better. Has Kalen Bullock really improved under Alex Grinch? I, I don't see it. Players aren't improving. Offensive players are, absolutely. Defensive players aren't. I think it's time for Grinch to go. Well, he knew something we didn't, I guess. <laughs> that was said, yeah, it was said earlier today before Alex Grinch was fired. But uh, thanks to Colin for sharing some some thoughts um yeah it's hard to hard to argue with what he said he does follow the team a lot i know he's a national guy but he follows the team yeah usc fan colin cowherd that was it that was it that wasn't fox uh sports as colin cowherd that was usc fan colin cowherd um because it's the same thing that a lot of usc fans have seen uh, and a lot of the things that they have said and regurgitated over and over because you keep repeating the same thing because the same thing mistakes keep happening. And that was the big thing that I think led to this ultimately is like nothing is getting better. And at this point, if nothing's getting better, just go ahead and change it and see if, you know, you can create a spark somehow else, uh, you know, and we'll see. I don't think there's necessarily the divide in the locker room. Like he mentioned, Um, I feel like, you know, from seeing a couple offensive players, that's talking to Zach branch and whatnot, it just, they're all upset that they're not winning, but they're not really putting the full blame. Now, maybe personally they are, but like not uh, talking to anyone, not, you know, in the sources I've talked to, no one's like, this defense, is, if it wasn't for this defense, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you just, you feel bad for your teammates that they're not able to, you know, play to the level that the team wants to play at. Yeah. Oh, we've got a couple super chats on YouTube. Thank you guys so much for you. sending those. The first one, five bucks from James. He said, will the interim defensive coordinators be available for media this week? We didn't call them out by name, but Sean Nua and Brian Odom, defensive line coach and inside linebackers coach, will be the co-interim defensive coordinators. Yes, they will be available on Tuesday. So we get Lincoln Riley tomorrow after a closed practice on Monday, which normally does not happen. The co-interim DCs on Tuesday after practice. Coach Dennis Simmons, as well as offensive players after practice on Wednesday. 
Yeah, so, and, you know, it's cool to see Taylor Mays get a chance, Mm -hmm. um, you know, full-time assistant. Um, You know, he's worked with the safeties anyway, and, uh, you know, Zion talked about that in our, you know, he's like, he felt like a, uh, you know, on-field coach already. So uh, I think it'll be a smooth transition for them. And we'll see, Brian Odom, I think you'd mentioned this, Shotgun, you know, he called the defense when uh, Oklahoma played Oregon in the uh, Alamo Bowl, I believe it was, so... Uh, when Alex Grinch had uh, left with Lincoln Riley to come uh, to USC. So I'm curious to see, I mean, just some of the procedural things, like if you're an assistant coach, uh, either Sean Nua or Brian Odom, and it's frustrating you that the players don't seem to, you know, they're not figuring out the play or they're not in the right spot. If you're like, all right, well, here's the first thing we do. There's there's usually when you make a change, there's going to be some low-hanging fruit. You know, like yeah. when Mike Bone came in, um, you know, there was a lot of low hanging fruit because of all the bad decisions that Lynn Swad made. He said, you know what? We're going to allow the song girls to come to basketball games again. And it's like, yay. It's just like waving the American flag. Like everyone's going to be excited about that. Right. <laughs> like, yay. Uh, oh, instead of scheduling an FCS for the team for the first time ever in school history, we're not going to do that. We're going to go back on the decision. Yay. Not that that was an easy one, but you know that's kind of low-hanging fruit. And I feel like if you're Brian Odom and you're Sean Nua and you're like, we're just going to get it, so we're going to call play and let them run it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But we're not going to be confused going into it. And maybe they look at that as low-hanging fruit and like, we're going to fix this thing. Like this procedural thing that seems very simple that nine, uh, ten games in, you haven't fixed. We're going to try to fix it. And I think that's... If I'm taking over, you know, a, a, you're basically coming in, you're taking over a shit show, right? This is a horrible defense by all accounts. You're going to try to fix something and you want it. This is on your resume, too. That might be the thing they fix. So I'm curious to see sort of what adjustments get made. Speaking of low-hanging fruit, when Ed Orgeron takes over his interim, he gives offensive linemen, you know, he gives the team cookies. Yes. You know, the, the change the meals and stuff like cookies that. Cookies were like taking away, taking away for yeah, some reason. but the... The nutrition, <laughs> nutrition staff was like, these guys can't eat cookies. And Orgeron's like, big men need cookies. So, you know, <laughs> and like it changed. It wasn't something drastic. And maybe it's probably not the best for the nutrition, but it was something that boosted the morale. So we'll see what kind of changes. And again, you know, practice has been so limited to media viewing. It's been, what, what was it, six minutes and something, 42 seconds or something this week, uh, the the one practice that was really open. I think Jack went on uh, Wednesday when there was no availability, and it was super short as well. So there, it's going to be hard to tell specifically if they, again, only limit practice to that. Or, you know, What changes can you see in stretching? Ah, I don't think you're going to see too much there. But maybe we'll start hearing some from our sources and stuff about you know what is a little bit different leading into this game, um, and maybe by Wednesday, you know, when you talk to some of the players, is there anything a little bit different type of thing? Uh, but you know it, that's going to be the interesting part. What is actually different? What are you trying to change? What low hanging fruit or you know complex stuff do you try to make adjustments to when you're at this point in the season? And I asked that question Lincoln Riley on you know Saturday after the game was. At this point in the season, what changes do you make defensively? And he said, well, we'll look at the play calls. We'll look at the individuals. I guess he looked at the individual that was making the play calls yeah. and made the change there. So, And it'll be interesting who's calling the plays. I'm assuming it'll be Brian Odom since he has done it before. Now, Lincoln Riley didn't appoint him, but because Lincoln Riley going to USC, he got the gig at Oklahoma for their bowl game against Oregon. So you know, he has the 
one game of experience. So if he's the one calling the plays, you know, does he change the philosophy of the attack philosophy? How much are you going to be attacking? Now, it was different this game against Washington. It was very much a try to be bend but don't break, but they were just so out of out of place on the passes and stuff. They were giving up five, six, seven, eight yards on every pass. So what adjustments are made there? And if Brian Odom, as an inside linebackers coach, is calling the plays, does he call some plays that he thinks will put his inside linebackers in better positions? Because when the inside linebackers play well, this defense plays well. Yeah, That's been the biggest issue. Now, they don't get great pressure all the time. The spot beside Barry Alexander is a black hole. Uh, you know, there's deficiencies, You know, they but they put their cornerbacks on islands all the time. But when those inside linebackers are having good games – that's when everybody's like, that guy's got to play more. And how many different guys have we said, that guy needs to play more this season? Four different guys, basically. Out of the five, you know, four different guys have been said, oh, we, we, they need to play him more because an inside linebacker plays well and the defense plays better. So if they can get the inside linebackers and Brian Oves calling the plays, maybe he, get, he calls some stuff that he thinks will fit his personnel a little bit better, then maybe we see the defense be able to take that step. Yeah. And we've got another super chat from Blackie Chan this time. We'll throw that one on the screen as well. Thank Five you. bucks. He says, I know USC lost yesterday, but this feels like a win getting rid of Grinch. Christmas came early with his wish. And then he says, fight on Trojan family. And I feel like that's the sentiment that we have seen. Shotgun and I, as we were walking to shoot the instant analysis on campus today, we ran across a, a member of the site and a fan of the work. And he's like, oh, you know, I always get my USC news from you guys. And so we asked him, hey, what'd you think of the news today? He's like, oh, what news? And so we, we told him and he had his baby on his back straddling over his shoulders and he he started jumping up and down with he his kid on his shoulders literally jumped for joy wow. uh, i don't think i've ever seen that reaction before but uh shout out to we didn't get his name uh you know he and his son he said we're in from denver uh get a chance to come out and he said there's no local news up there obviously covering usc so he follows the site so I, we were happy to we were able to break the news to him but it was definitely a unique reaction when you present news to someone and they jump for joy it yeah. was it was like he woke up on Christmas morning and looked out and like his wife put a car on the driveway with a big bow on it. Like yeah. that's the reaction that Has it. Has anybody was. ever seen that happen? No, it, it happens in commercials and that's kind of it. And well, it might happen down here in Hermosa or Don. I got I don't a know bow about on you the car once. Was like Did you put it on your own? No, no. <laughs> when I when I got my Tesla like nine years ago, it was 2014. Like they don't do it anymore. But like yeah, when I picked it up. No, that's not Christmas. That's yeah, not. that doesn't count. So if you bought it yourself, it doesn't count. Uh, Alex Ruiz has another super chat, two bucks. He says, oh, wow. who are potential replacements for defensive coordinator? Go check out the hot board over on uscfootball.com. Yeah, I feel bad because Alex is spending money. However, Alex, you got to spend money on the site. Yeah, to be able $2, to get all you're not getting anything. Uh, that, so Jim Leonard is one of you, them. Though. I will say that Jim Leonard is one yeah. of them. It's one of the people on the, the, the hot board. Uh, obviously, that's a, a name that's been thrown around a lot. Someone who's actually not on our hot board? is someone that if things fell perfectly for USC, and I told this to Jack earlier, would be Dave Aranda. Now, he's a head coach at Baylor, but if Baylor were to make a change there, I don't think there's anyone that's a better hire there because he has, he's a good defense coordinator and has worked with a prolific offense with that it was 2019 uh, LSU team. Yeah. So he's won a national championship with an offense. So... He knows, hey, my defense may give up some points, but I know how to limit them at the opposition enough. That would be the home run hire. But again, that's USC uh, made a run at them before. True, they did. They did. So you know, Brandon Sosna, and you know, when he was here, that was someone on their list. You know, and and I talked to Brandon off it, and it was like, 
I don't know how close they were, but it seemed like there was a possibility. And he ends up getting the head coaching job. So you weren't going to be able to hire him as a defensive coordinator. But someone they made a run at before. Now, he was a head coach in Power 5. So yeah. you don't necessarily need to go back to be a DC. But he could. Uh, he's got Southern California ties. So, I mean. And, and again, that's all if Baylor were to make a move. There's no guarantee yeah, he's there. He's making right a now. ton of money there. He's not going to take the step down to being a DC no. just because he wants to. Um, so that's a, a far out one. But that's that would be like the home run hire to me. Um, there and you know, there's some other people on the list. You know, and the question then because, and also the difference. I, I would point out that that was a different athletic administration. That was not Jennifer Cohen. Sure, yeah. That was Mike Bone. So um, there's no necessarily connection there that I know of off the top of my head of Jennifer Cohen with Dave Aranda. So it's not like she's gonna look, well. Mike Bowen went after him, so I'm going to go after him type of thing. So, yeah. But, yeah, that, that's one I'm just throwing out there. But it, it, we'll see what, whether they go for someone with a good pedigree or someone that's up and coming, uh, you know, someone that Lincoln Riley has to cede power to. Uh, that doesn't seem likely. So, you know, do you get someone who's young and up and coming and, you know, try to mold them differently? There's a, di a lot of different ways it can go. Uh, so we'll see how it kind of plays out. Yeah, I think one of the big questions, too, is does he go outside of the coaching tree? Uh, obviously, that you know, a lot of the coaching staff that was brought over when Riley came over was came from former relationships. We knew Alex Grinch came over from Oklahoma. There were a lot of relationships there. That's what made this period where USC fans wanted Grinch fired so tense because they weren't sure whether Riley would do it considering his relationship with Grinch. So that is one of the things you're looking for. And I think if he goes outside of the coaching tree, that shows you a lot of growth, which is something that people have been wanting to see considering Lincoln Riley's a young head coach. They've always said he's got room to grow. I think this is one of the places he can show it if he leaves his tree to hire. Because you have to make the right hire at, 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 yeah. at the end. And they always talk about how difficult it is to be a defensive coordinator in an air raid system. So do you try to find someone who's already in the system? Or you just try to find someone who has the best resume as a DC? Like there's a lot of things that are going to go into this. And you talk about uh, you, you know him hiring Alex Grinch originally. Like he didn't really have the connection with Alex Grinch. However... Alex Grinch obviously coached under Mike Leach. So yeah. there was that connection. So we'll see if it's a direct connection, if it's a connection to Leach or someone else in, in that tree um, that, that he's in. Those it's all gonna it's gonna take a little bit of a while to play out too. I know there was a question and maybe it's even a is that a, a super chat? Yeah, I was just gonna pull it up. Jeff Rodriguez says, What are the odds that USC hires the DC before the bye week? Yeah, I would say that's very unlikely. Um, one, because Unless it's someone who's not actually coaching, you know, whether that maybe they're an analyst or something, that's the only way you're bringing them in because you're going to be coaching your team through because there's a game that week for almost every team in the, in the nation. So and the good teams. Now, you may get someone after the bye week conference championship week like that may be when you can first start hiring someone if, if a team is not and it's got their bowl game but not yet in their conference championship but i would it very i would be very surprised if there's anything before the the bye week i would agree with that um you know there's a, a bunch of other questions here in the chat you know there's obviously a We'll have reactions to this for, for a couple of weeks. So are there any main kind of big key talking points that you guys want to hit on? You know, maybe before we talk about a little bit more about the Washington game, before we handle callers and questions, just any more thoughts that you guys feel like you want to get off your chest following this big move? I don't think so. I think it's um, it, I, it, someone was talking about what Matt Leinert said. And it's not just Alex Gridge. And I think people get, you know, when you fired Clay Helton, um, there was a lot of problems around the program. And it was interesting to hear 
Um, the people in the administration talk about the reason they didn't replace Clay Helton when they did, you know, earlier um, is because the athletic department was such a mess. They needed to fix it, basically like set up the infrastructure that would allow you to hire a better coach. So they got someone with a much better resume, Lincoln Riley. Like, no, USC hadn't hired a guy with a uh, track record like Lincoln Riley since basically like Howard Jones. Like, they just haven't done that. Someone that was successful in college, um, they went and did it. And they wouldn't have been able to hire Lincoln Riley two years earlier if they had fired Clay Helton then. So there was sort of like a reasoning, um, you know, behind it. And I get it. And I think now just kind of looking to see, like, it's not, but it, there was a lot of stuff that still needed to be fixed. And when Riley came in, he had to fix a lot of things. So I think like what Shotgun said is it's not just like, okay, here's the new guy. Um, you have to look at, are we not practicing? Is, it, is the practice focused more on the offense? We don't get to see, so it's hard to say. But is it only helping the offense or it's not helping the defense as much? Getting a strong voice uh, for the defensive side, I think, is very important because there can be pushback to be like, you know, we need that. We need this goal line period, not five minutes, but 20 minutes or whatever it is. Um, you know, team run. We need to do more of this stuff that's going to help the the defense. And I think, you know, I don't we don't know what that was. If Alex Grinch sort of just went along with what Lincoln Riley said or if they had plenty of defensive periods, physicality. It just didn't seem like this was as, as physical as you would want. So I think that's an important thing. Getting a strong voice in there that can uh, not just like recruit, you know, teach all that stuff, but just philosophically how you practice uh, defense, I think, is probably something that needs to change. And so having a strong voice as DC, I think that's an important part of it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, there's a lot more reactions, and as, as we mentioned, there's stuff that we will talk about uh, in the days to come. Chris and I will be at practice tomorrow. It's a closed practice, but we will get to talk with Lincoln Riley after. So, you know, asking him questions about potentially who's going to call the defensive plays, what went into the decision, where he sees USC going forward, maybe things he's looking for in a potential hire. We'll have a lot more stuff on that tomorrow, but we can get into the game a little bit. I know this was, you know, supposed to be a game recap show as we do most Sundays, and of course, it's been taken over a bit by the news. The headline is, of course, you know, the defense struggling against Washington, really only getting three stops, one of which was a field goal, one an interception, and one a three and out, but allowing 52 points. You know, when your offense scores 42, it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. And, you know, ultimately, it's the game that led to the decision to fire Alex Grinch. It was a pretty fun game. Uh, it was homecoming weekend. I thought the crowd was good. Um, came out playing pretty well. Uh, that three and out early, I thought was good. You know, Washington ends up getting a penalty. And the defense steps up and makes a play, but pretty much outside of that, uh, there was a you know a couple great individual plays. Like Eric, Eric Gentry got, I think, the only sack of the game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he tipped that pass that you know Washington was driving on that one. Um, you know, creates that interception. Otherwise, that's you know it's probably eight touchdowns and ten drives instead of uh, seven touchdowns. But there just wasn't the plays on defense just weren't there and uh you know the initial numbers we saw were like 199 yards uh before contact for uh dylan johnson but i think pro football focus you know revised that a little bit 129 yards but you don't want to see like it was great to see austin jones um you know this is supposed to be two heisman winners like going at or heisman candidates going at but the run game really kind of dominated austin jones you know 11 carries for 127 yards that's great usually when you're averaging 11 yards a carry it's because you have like eight, 10 carries, something like this. Well, Dylan Johnson had 26 carries and, and averaged that. Like, you can't do that kind of stuff. 
Um, it was just week after week of making somebody look like, you know, the next whatever, Heisman winner. And USC's been really good at that. Um, you know, uh, Francisco Mendoza was like, oh, my God, he's like the greatest quarterback ever. Or, uh, you know, the, the pick farmer, like, he's amazing. And, uh, it just, you know, oh, Sione uh, Vaki, like, he's, he's a safety, he's a two-way player. Like, yeah, he's not done much since then. So, um, and who was the, the wide receiver in the first game, the San Jose State game, who had three touchdowns? And I don't know if he's Nick got one. Nick Nash. Yeah. yeah. I don't, he didn't have, yeah, I don't know if he's got. He had three touchdowns in that game. And then he hasn't had one since, right? Or he, at, least at least as of like two weeks ago. Yeah, something like that. Just that kind of stuff. It's just sort of like the same old, same old. So people are like, you want to do an emergency podcast? I'm like, this is not an emergency. Like, this is the same <laughs> crap we've seen, uh, you know, week in and week out. But it was it was definitely fun. I thought Caleb Williams was amazing. Um, you know, he had some games that, you know, he made a lot of the plays. And there was pressure. He got out of the pressure. Um, uh, you know, he picked up a lot of uh, first downs with his legs. He... You know, beat uh, Raylan Goforth and then, you know, put that dude in the spin cycle afterwards, which was crazy move. Uh, I, I mentioned that to Zachariah Branch and he was just like, he was like, oh, my God. You know, he talked to him on the sideline about it. Caleb Williams played really good. Um, that, you know, there was really weird sequence. That fourth and one play, they, the, it was whatever, third and short and they threw a fade. And then fourth and short and, you know, he runs around and finds uh, Brendan Rice. That was an amazing throw, you know, and then. You see Michael Penix make that third and eighteen throw. Like, how do you give up a third and eighteen? And uh, with three guys, three in the defenders end zone. in the end zone, it was definitely fun. Um, and the you know the funnest play was, and I think we have a clip of it. The uh, the flea flicker, and we got to talk to Zachariah about that a little bit. And I think Stuart Cravens tweeted about you know you can't allow like as a defense you can't let a play that takes that long to develop work, but it did per to perfection. And and Zach told us. You know, he's running one way and he's someone that can switch directions and he changed directions, run the other way. And it was almost like a no look pass back to Caleb. And he told us, like, once he pitched it back, he heard the crowd and he thought that he screwed up the pitch. <laughs> and they said by the time he turned around and looked, uh, you know, that Tosh Washington already had the ball and it was scoring. So and, and Caleb was really nonchalant, just sort of like hands the ball off and like kind of looked disinterested. Like, ah, I'm, so they sold it well, but it took a little while to develop. But that was one of the funnest plays that I've seen in a long time. I mean, it's a great play design. It, 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 it's difficult to get that much time for something that, like that to work, but it worked absolutely perfectly because you turn your weaknesses into your strengths. What do freshmen do that are playmakers? Oh, they, they reverse feel when they probably shouldn't. And they go into that, and you got everyone out blocking in front. You got Taj Washington, Austin Jones. This is a play that would be in USC's normal, you know, playbook, and that's it looks exactly like it. And that's the best trick plays are the ones that you know look exactly like something that the defense has already seen. So then they jump on it, and Taj Washington does a great job of selling the block. Austin Jones is out there, and the offensive line giving him time because Caleb Williams actually had a little bit of trash in front of his feet. Uh, you know, there was a defense lineman that kind of dove in, and Mason Murphy is like laying on top of a guy, keeping him from getting to Caleb, which is part of the reason why he backs up a few steps. And then he gets the ball out quick, and Taj Washington's wide open and does a rest, and we get a little salsa. Yeah. It, it was a pretty awesome play. There, there, you know, football's gone on for so long that there aren't many plays where you look at something and you're like, I've never seen that before. And <laughs> this, you know, maybe it doesn't work in the NFL, but I had never seen a play like that before. Um, yeah, you, where you like forward handoff, 
end around, come back, and then you know, pitch it back. Like that was that was pretty good. Like we haven't seen that. I mean, everyone did their job very well. Caleb Solit, he was just kind of standing there watching it, and then he took his quick steps back. Uh, Zachariah Branch, you know, his job was to make it look like he was reversing field, like a freshman making you know a mistake or you know making a big move. He sold it really well, and then obviously Taj Washington got open. So that play was great. And you know, normally I think that's one we ask Lincoln Riley about because it's so creative, but. When the defense allows 52 points, you know, when you score 42 and still lose by 10, it's hard to focus on that. Lincoln Riley was asked after the game, do you regret what you've done defensively this year? He said he wasn't into the big picture questions. Clearly in his mind, he was thinking of the big picture questions, but just after the game, he wasn't ready to share any details about what he was planning on doing. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's a good thing he did. I mean, he wasn't going to talk about the big picture stuff, but knowing you're going to make, I mean, he knew he was going to make the move. Like he was sitting there talking to us. You're not going to say it, but I get it. Like, you're, it's, this is better to put out a press release or just a release from USC is what they did. I think the killer play, we don't have to go too much of the game, and if you have other thoughts too, but, um, you know, USC's down three. They end up having to punt, but they pin Washington deep at their own nine-yard line. Very first play from scrimmage. Was, it wasn't a – it was not a trick play. It was literally a toss. Like, just – and USC's been really bad at, like – Oh, the ball got out further than what we think it was going to be. People are crashing in. And I mean, untouched for 53 yards. Just, it was the, you know, just wide open hole. Dylan Johnson, and uh, you go from being backed up to potentially getting the ball back to, okay, now you're going to be down two scores and it's over. So that was, to me, that was the worst. That was the, the, the nail in the coffin was that 53 yarder to me. Now, let me back you up three plays. Yeah. Okay. Um, because the difference in, Washington being an unbeaten team and USC being a three-loss team. I uh, said this a couple times now, but first half, Washington has scores a touchdown. Penalty calls it back. The offensive line, this had nothing to do with helping the play continue. I mean, helping the play create a touchdown, but the offensive lineman continued to block, and you're not allowed to continue to play when your helmet comes off. So he continued to block. Oh, they yes. threw the flag on it, backs them up, and that a couple plays later turns into th third and 18. Third and 18, after having a touchdown pulled off the board, Washington scores a touchdown. Great throw by Pennix. Get, fits it in between that. Uh, and great catch by Devin Colt, too, to hold on to that as he's going out of bounds. That was a fantastic catch, hands catch there. Same scenario, though, in the second half. Three plays before what you're talking about. USC scores a touchdown. It's called back for a penalty. Deuce Robinson's called for holding on the Taj Washington screenplay. And... What happens with USC? Do they find a way to still score that touchdown? No, they take a sack and now they have to punt. So you've got the difference between a seven points and getting zero and having to give the ball back. And that's the difference. Because once USC got behind, everyone in that, everyone in that stadium knew. After the fumble right before halftime, everyone knew. It was like, uh-oh, are they ever going to catch up? Are they ever going to be able to get a stop to be able to catch them? And no one in the first half was really doing that. So when USC got the interception right after the, the half, we're like, okay, they're still in it, at least. The game's not over, but they can score and tie it. But they're never going to be able to go ahead because are they going to be able to get another stop? Like It's going to take another turnover for USC, another punt block or something, and that never happened. So USC fans can never get super excited, even when they tied the game each time. What, three more times, I think, in the game? Uh, or I guess maybe just one more time. But they couldn't get super excited because in the back of their head they knew Defense is never going to get that stop for us to actually yeah. take the lead. And so that's why it could have been an absolutely electric crowd, uh, but it was tame in the second half. It was great in the first half. It was tame. They were excited, 
But there was that thought in the back of their head, and I mentioned it. It was the 2011 game, Oregon, if you remember that game, Ryan, uh, where game day was here. Mm-hmm. I think it was Halloween weekend. A lot of costumes, a lot of you know, a lot of signs at game day. I remember going like you know, 37 minutes of sleep. I think it was something like that. Going to game day, taking you know, having shooting a photo gallery of all the signs. Game at night, fantastic. The atmosphere is electric until in the middle of the third quarter. USC fell down by two scores. It was like ten points, and fans knew like we're we're never going to be able to catch them. Yeah, and so you felt the air go out of the entire Coliseum. And again, that was a sold out crowd as well. Um, and I think it was the same thing last night. There's over a thousand people here on YouTube right now. So this is wow. a good time if you're watching. If there's over a thousand of you, there should be close to a thousand likes. Math. So hit the like <laughs> button if you're still in here. Hit the subscribe button if you're not math. already subscribed. Uh, and we we know you have. <laughs> Speaking of math. Chris said his ghost notes. If you do not read the ghost notes game day, it's probably the best feature we do. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, sorry to anyone else that writes features on our site. It's probably the best. It's so insightful. There's so much behind the scenes stuff. And, and Chris is, is so hilarious with the way he writes things. Um, but one of the things was, and I noticed this too, in the, when we're down sitting in the photo well, the, you know, before the game, pregame, USC's out warming up. There was a girl, uh, I think she was working with the photographers or something for the school or something with the school, was doing her math homework. And it was just like such a surreal scene. It's such a USC is an academic school, in case you forgot, scene yeah. where she's doing her math homework uh, before going out and shooting a, you know, a top 25 matchup. Nice. Yeah, she was calculating if there's a thousand viewers, I think the, it, it equaled out there should be around a thousand likes. So so math. Uh, so make sure you're hitting the like button. Like 25, and, <laughs> 25% there right now. So that's good. So. All right. So that means you need 75% more. So let's get I there. Like it. Uh, and if you guys are watching, we know you have thoughts. So if you want to leave those in the chat, make sure you do and we can get to those comments or questions at the end. You can also call in. We'll go to live callers right now. The number 5124-TUNNEL. Again, 5124-TUNNEL if you want to call in. We've already got three in the queue. And as Lincoln Riley proved this morning that he was you know, willing to pull the trigger on Alex Grinch, I will pull the trigger and cut you off if you go too like long. It. Don't don't give him the power, people. There's, don't him, don't make him feel like he's more powerful than he is. There are a lot of callers. So just get your thought out quick. One question, one thought. Um, we will go to our fu- first caller, Michael from Silver Lake. Hi, Michael. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hi, thank you very much for taking my call. Hi, well, first of all, I'm I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I uh, I share your uh, uh, your grief at the moment. Um, the, the point I'm making is that USC always used to have a tough, tough defense. I remember back in during Andrew Carroll and stuff, where the defense was the one that really set the tone for the team. And it seems to me that Riley thinks of defense secondary. Fact is, the fact is he has two. Two uh, coaches for the uh, for the for the for the special skill competitions, but he sort of seems to think of the defense to be somewhat you know secondary in both his strategy and his thing. Uh, so so my point is that that Notre Dame has no skill has lacks of skill position. USC lacks really tough tough defensive players. And that seems to be more endemic to, to what SC has been for the last couple of years than just. I think the- I think we're gonna go go off I that. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, I mean Notre Dame has a defensive coach, right? Truth. Uh, USC's defensive last head coach. You know, Dan Weber has one point that he keeps bringing up is like USC hired you know Steve Steve Sir- I mean Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian and Clay Helton and Lincoln Riley and like they're all quarterbacks yep. and quarterbacks aren't. Uh, 
hitting in practice. Like they're they're not they're the guys that wear the jerseys that say you can't touch me. So the, your last four coaches have all been of the I don't get touched in practice variety. Now I don't know. Does that have an impact on things? Dan seems to think so. Um, I think Lincoln Riley has a better resume than those guys, obviously. But um, yeah, and I think sometimes you need somebody on the other side of the ball, and uh, that can can you know bring that that kind of presence. Uh, but hiring an offensive coach is different than defensive. Now we've seen a lot of defensive coaches that look their offenses look like absolute poo poo. So I think it's a lot more fun to see what's going on right now. Like, would you rather watch Iowa or USC? <laughs> like, I'd rather see. 50 to 49 and 52 to 42, then 10 to 7, uh, you know, and have a punt return called back. So, but yes, it's more about the philosophy, I think, you know, the head coach philosophy. And part of it is uh, locale. I mean, Midwest, it breeds bigger offensive linemen. Southern California breeds skill players. You're going to, you know, if you have talent in your area, you're usually going to reflect that a little bit too. And you have to go outside your area and, and complement it more. So, you know, that and that's it goes to philosophy, but also goes to recruiting and location and all those type of things as well. But yes, that is a good point. That is what the difference in Notre Dame is. And, you know, maybe they could trade, you know, be rivals. You do a full, you know, can we waive some no trade clauses and, you know, see. I do want to see Iowa play USC. Like, because it would be we, the ultimate bowl holiday game. bowl. No, but this year, where like Iowa literally can't get a first down, like the over under for the game this weekend is like twenty eight points or something like that. Like that's insane. So USC's defense gives up points to everybody. So can Iowa score, or does the USC defense look really good? Like I don't know. It's going to be crazy. But now that both coordinators, like Ferentz at Iowa, and now Grinch here at, at USC, now that both it's of not those, the like, same. Yeah. It, yeah, it wouldn't be quite the same. But it would have been, you know, Iowa a scored forty nine points against USC in the Holiday Bowl. I know it's not the same. I know it's not the same offense. But they still scored forty nine points, and that wasn't a good offense either. So yes, they would score some points against USC. They yeah. would score a lot of points. Uh, we've got a couple more callers in the queue. Uh, first, we'll go f to John. Hi, John. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I just thank you for taking my call tonight. Uh, just you know, I just want a quick note, real quick. I'm at Disneyland right now. Nice. <clears throat> it's just a feeling of Alex Grinch's defense. Nobody knows where they're going. Uh, I mean, that's basically what it is. But I mean, I watched it all year long last season. Every third down, it didn't matter. We never sent a blitz, not even a corner blitz all season. It was just to me, it, it was just a bad scheme for the talent that we have. That's it for me, guys. Hey, awesome to get a call from Disneyland, first of all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, sorry, you know, maybe he's on his Bluetooth headphones over there or something. Uh, very cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think any of us are like, we're drawing up defensive schemes, but you can watch enough to go like, 
whatever the plan is behind this, you know, this outcome, like, you know, I don't know how to, like, I don't, like, we'll do a food analogy. I might not know how to be a chef, but if I keep eating a meal that's like, this doesn't taste right, or this is too salty, or like, over and over and over again, like, I don't know how to make this, but someone can make it better than this. And I feel like that's where USC was. Like, they, someone could take this group of players and produce a better defense than what's being produced. You would think. Yeah, we've got a, a super chat in, so we'll pause with callers for now to the super chat. Ten bucks. Thank you so much for wow. the donation. JXB1A2, he said, human take, we can be friends with our coworkers, but if our work performance jeopardizes their job, they will protect themselves always. None of us are immune from accountability and results. I'll be honest. It sounds like something that was said by a robot. So <laughs> if the name's JXB1A2 and it says human take initially... JXB, I'm just assuming that you we got robot money chat, from that. Chat GPT in the uh, in, in the YouTube comment like section. No, chat. not not Chat GPT. It's like Hal, you know. Oh, so we're like the takeover is happening. Yeah, he doesn't know what that means. Well, thanks, Mister <laughs> Roboto, for the donation. But yes, it, it, <laughs> it, you got to protect yourself eventually. Like Lincoln Riley would love to be able to keep Alex Grinch, I'm sure. But it coaches it, coaching is an interesting. Um, workplace like you understand you know talking with other coaches they understand like when you're on the hot seat you feel it it is it is devastating for a family potential yeah you know i know coaches that have like six kids and like you know if you get fired you have to uproot six kids they're all in grade school or all in you know up through high school or whatnot and that is a challenge and it's very it can be you know very upsetting for the entire family but coaching coaches also understand how performance based everything is. So it's not like every once in a while it's just culture clash, coaches don't get along, someone gets fired because they don't like each other. But the majority of the time it's like, I understand why you're firing me. And there's not like bad blood from Alex Grinch. You know, look at Alex Grinch, the meme worthy, uh, you know, him bending over after that last uh, touchdown and just utter disappointment. He un he knows. He said it all last week. Like the defense has to be better. I understand it's on me. I understand it's not like he like Lincoln Riley called him up or whatever today, and he's just like, "How dare you? How could you? I thought we were friends." Like that's he's like, "All right, thank you for sticking by me for as long as you did." Probably is yeah. probably the response that he got. Yeah, you know, I doubt they're surprised there. You just kind of waiting for that shoe to drop, and USC fans weren't sure, but you know, you have to have some feeling in the building as well, and I, I think that. This is a good point that Shotgun made where you had him bending over on the sideline. And even Connor mentioned it on Instant Analysis this week. Like he had been speaking differently over these last few weeks, uh, just it, just seemingly saying different things. And, you know, he, he mentioned, I could not be more disappointed in myself. Like he knew he knows that the defense had not been performing to the level that it needed to. Yeah. And he, the human take is that you feel for someone like that. Yeah. He's trying. It's not like he's sabotaging the team. No, he's not purposely. He's not like, all right, I'll, let's see how I can make this defense worse. But he's trying a bunch of different things. It's like when Todd Orlando was here, um, their defense was terrible, and you know we said that several times. But it was I wanted to root for Todd Orlando because you know, talk to him in practice. He's trying to make them more physical. He when you see him in the games, they're trying a bunch of different alignments and packages and trying stuff, and it's just not working. Yeah, and part of that was the talent level, and the talent level has not. It was not rebounded from Clay Helton being on the hot seat. The talent level, especially on the lines on both sides, has not rebounded to where USC was from 2016, from 2000 to 2016. 
Like it just hasn't, and so it makes it that much more difficult. X's and O's, uh, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's, and so you feel bad for those guys. Now the best can figure a way to manipulate what they do to suit their players and accentuate what their players do well. And that's the challenge that you're faced with. So the next DC will have to do that because there are deficiencies still in that defense as far as talent level. They are not anywhere close to the talent level that Georgia has on their defensive side yeah. or Ohio State has on their defensive side. Michigan ha- Look at how many USC defenders are on the freaks list, You know Bruce Feldman's freaks list, over the last five years. Uh, there's probably one or two that have made it, I'm guessing. I, I don't know off the top of my head. But look at Michigan. Michigan has like three guys every single year. Like there's some defensive lineman I've never heard of every single time on Bruce Feldman's. It's like you got to check out this video of what this guy's doing in the weight room. There's every single year there's somebody or Penn State, you know, and those are the teams that USC is going to face next year. So it's going to take. They've got to uh, attack the talent deficiencies there, uh, and that's a big concern because of the way recruiting has struggled in this NIL era, uh, especially locally. Yeah, we get to some more live callers. We still got three in the queue, so we wow, okay. kind of bang through these we'll, we'll real try quick. To, we'll try to rapid fire. Yeah, this is Gil from Sherman Oaks. Hi, Gil. You're on Tunnel Vision. Yeah. Hi, guys. Uh, gee, wow. How long did this take? I a um, uh, long time SC fan. I won't bore you with that, but uh, it seems like he shouldn't have even been a defensive coordinator for this year. Anyway, uh, my point is, and you guys can uh, all hang up and hear your answers, is how long will it take Riley to hire a special teams coach? One of the best things that I saw in last night's game was a blocked punt, and I was trying to remember... When the last time SC blocked a punt or anything else, for that matter? And one additional note. Gonna, we'll, we'll cut that one off there. I, I believe USC had one block punt earlier in the season, Eric Gentry at Colorado. So right. the Deuce Robinson one was the second one yeah. this season. But thanks for the call, Gil. Um, yeah, I don't – I mean, Lincoln Riley's philosophy is not to have a special teams coordinator. I think, Jack, or you might have pointed out that other teams have had – maybe multiple analysts that are dedicated to special teams and USC only has one. I would assume there'll be some changes like that. My guess is there won't be a full-time assistant uh, hired uh, to coach special teams, but maybe some different, uh, you know, leadership as far as, you know, bringing another analyst or, or two people that are involved with that, or more, at least more people involved with special teams overall. Yeah. I'm- You've seen some smart special teams decisions. You've seen some bad ones. They've got Eric Gentry and Deuce Robinson on the punt block team for reasons. They're the maybe the two tallest players on the team, and they both have punt blocks. So clearly there is some smart decision-making going yeah. in. There's also been some bad plays. The problem is that the USC, over the years, there's been individuals that have helped. Like, it's a Dory Jackson. Like, the special teams were bad, but you had a Dory Jackson. Or punt return and kick return are bad, but you have Zachariah Branch, who can make it good just himself. We have a couple of tall guys that you can use, and they can block kicks. You know, um, so things like you know, oh, you know, Zach Banner blocking Zach Banner. extra points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. like so. USC has been good with like individual players, but you would love a ski, like schematically to be sound on on special teams. They just haven't been that way. Who was Pete Carroll's special teams coordinator? He so he didn't have ones early, um, and they uh, gave like for the Iowa game, uh, the Orange Bowl, they gave up a kickoff return or touchdown to start the game. And but they were so good, them. it didn't matter. And destroyed them. Then they, I forget his name, uh, Dennis Slutak, I think was like uh, he was their special teams coordinator, and they actually were good. So I think like. 2000, 
three and four. They actually got good on special teams. So they had a, he was a grad assistant that was running it. And the first time Pete Carroll had someone doing that, I guess, and, uh, and they actually were good. But he still wasn't putting in, like, the, the time there. I think later on they had somebody, but it wasn't always that way. But USC was just really good on the other parts of the ball. So. They, were, they were really good in 2004 returning kicks and punts because there was a number five Reggie back Bush there. helped too, yeah. So, but they had a coordinator also that was – Just just name Ryan Darty the, the coordinator in your mind. It's but, because it's not a paid position. He still coaches them up. He's the guy on every – he's the one that they rally around at, at every – you know, we're about to go get a kickoff return. We're about to do a kickoff coverage he's the guy that's in the middle of it now they may split up and hey uh, uh kyle mcdonald works with the punt returners and but the overall aspect of it is is doherty so i don't like it it's not going to happen if you listen to his answer lincoln Riley's answer on tunnel vision he explained it and i thought he explained it very well trojan's live but yeah. trojan's live is would be cool um but he, he explained it pretty well about you know, when he got this job, he had the opportunity to know people's backgrounds, and everyone kind of has a background in special teams. You, as you're coming up in coaching, you have to do stuff like that. That's part of kind of the grunt work a little bit of being, you know, as a grad assistant or you know being on the low in the totem pole as an analyst or what. You have to work your way up, and everyone does a little special teams. Doherty is a former punter, so he's the guy that leads. You know, is the the key there. He's the one that's probably designing the formation of the fact that you know if you watch them punt. They actually snap the ball at an angle, mm-hmm. um, and they'll flip the sides of it. Those That's all coming from Doherty. It, he's the special teams coordinator, just not in the actual title. So I think we should just eliminate the whole conversation about when is he going to get a special teams coordinator and just say it's Ryan Doherty and blame him if the special teams isn't great <laughs> and congratulate him if the special teams does well. I think that's the solution because I'm tired of the special teams questions and because I have to listen to him harp on, oh, they only had a special teams coach. Stop fair catching the ball with Zachariah Branch. Block for him better. Well, they can't block, so you got to block for him better. Do it. Hire a special teams yeah, coordinator so they block help better. Block. Yeah, teach him how to block better. You need someone that can teach you how to block. We'll keep going rapid we'll, fire. We'll, real quick, Zachariah Branch. You know, we talked to him a little bit about it. You will get to, you guys will get to see that uh, later. Talking about kick returns and stuff, and I asked him about. Our team's covering them differently, and he said yes. He's also – it's an adjustment period for him. He's never been a kick returner before. He told me he hasn't been a kick returner since eighth grade. So he's learning, all right, when do I have to hit a hole? When do I have to do that? So that's a learning experience for him too. So the blocker's got to do better, um, but he needs those reps if you're going to have him be back there. So get that man the ball. Let him – many touches – anytime he can touch his hand, I want it to happen. Just hopefully he doesn't take those big hits he's taking some of the times. All right. Three more callers, and then we'll Jeez. go to questions and, and just finish it out. Uh, Dave from Iowa is calling in. Hi, Dave. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hi, guys. Um, first off, you know, last night on uh, Instant Analysis, Shotgun, you said that USC has done a disservice to Caleb Williams. Well, with respect, you're wrong. It's not USC. It's Lincoln Riley because of his head coaching philosophy of just caring about the offense, not the defense. Again, the famous saying goes, offense wins games. Defense wins championships. I don't think Riley knows that or understands that or has learned his lesson. What are your thoughts? Thanks, Dave. Um, and there's a lot of people saying, like, wasted uh, the Caleb Williams years. And, and, you know, I don't look at it that way. Like, there's sometimes, you know, there's like a sunk cost, you know, philosophy about, you know, you, you were throwing bad money after good or whatever. I get it. Like, the right choice was to fire Alex Grinch after the Cotton Bowl. Like Riley had his reasons, didn't do it, whatever. But in hindsight, the right. Choice. In hindsight, yeah. But I feel like you still like Caleb Williams is still his generational talent. Lincoln Riley's had 
a lot of them. Like he's been able to coach a lot of guys that were really freaking good uh, at quarterback. I'm sure he's going to coach more. And you can get somebody else that's really good that's going to be a quarterback as well. I think part of this was rebuilding uh, a once proud program that had really fallen on extremely hard times. Like you go back and watch some of the 2021 games, like losing to Cal. Like there was a lot of bad, <laughs> bad juju in that game, like those, that season. It took a lot. I mean, last year, you can't discount. You got another Heisman. Like, that's something the university covets more than almost anything. You know, national championships, they love their Heismans. They market them all the time. Every recruit that comes in, Heisman, like, Heismans are a big deal around USC. Getting one in your first year as head coach, that's a big deal. They won 11 games. It just doesn't happen that often. So I wouldn't say this was a waste. I mean, he got another Heisman. Uh, you're going to, you've elevated the program back. You're nationally relevant again. Yeah, they've taken steps back, you know, this year, but... I don't know. I, Lincoln Riley's still a young coach. You're learning from that, and you get to go, you know, move forward on it. So I wouldn't say it's a waste. I mean, I think they could have had a much better year if they had a different defensive coordinator or they had a better defense, for sure. Um, but, you know, it, it's just one of those things. It's part of the learning curve. Like, you, he took over this job. He took over a job from a legend that the program was established. This is the first time building his own. So you're going to make some mistakes building your own. First mistake, or biggest mistake, is keeping Alex Rich. You know, it's like, okay, well, you hope he learns from that and keeps building on it and, and, and is able to get more generational talents at quarterback and win more Heismans and win more games and all that. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of generational players have been wasted over the years. Very few people actually win national championships. Yeah. I mean, Nick yeah. Saban wins a bunch. Dabo Swinney's won two. And Kirby Smart's Kirby's won two. Kirby's won a bunch, yeah. So I think that's all for active coaches right now. Or, or no, Jimbo, Mac, Jimbo. Mac Brown's back in. Jimbo, yeah. Yeah. Wait, does Jimbo even count anymore? I think we used to rescind his national I mean, He had Jameis Winston, and it was great. You know, yeah. like, and he made the most of a generational uh, yeah. quarterback there. Uh, but yeah, it, I, it, USC did a disservice to to Caleb Williams, but Lincoln Riley is USC football. Yeah, he's the one that makes all decisions, so it comes down to him. I would agree with that, um, and it's it's unfortunate, uh, but I don't I don't buy into. Well, he's just learning as he goes. No, you get. Stop! You can't waste a talent like Caleb Williams. You should have made the right decision sooner. Uh, so it's very unfortunate. I'm very disappointed in that for Caleb Williams because he's a kid that gives everything. He uh, does, yeah. Um, and you want to see those type of kids succeed. A kid that's not afraid to show emotion. And uh, I think, uh, again, going back to our interview with Zachariah Branch and Zion Branch, Zachariah Branch had some great things to say about that too. Um, and, you know, he's he's – generational talent and I think he's a generational person I don't know him that well from not being around as much but he he is everyone raves about him as a as a teammate um, yes he has NIL deals yes he paints his fingernails yes he's done fashion show he's his own person but he's also the guy that would like to you know after a loss or even a win he would like to go home and cuddle with his dog and watch some shows some other players in the past some other quarterbacks in the past would be like I need to go get drunk right now. I need to go get a drink. I'm going to the club or whatever. He's just like, I just want to go home and, you know, chill out, relax, and be with my own thoughts and cuddle with my dog. Yeah. He's his own individual, and he, he's a fantastic person from all accounts uh, of everyone around him. So I feel very disappointed for him to not be able to to get that. And someone said, stop calling him a generational quarterback. He's going to be the number one pick. I still think that. Um, and there's some things he still needs to clean up, but I, I think he is he's different than any quarterback I've ever seen. 
So to me, that's generational. Yeah, he was still the best player on the field. I think he reinserted himself as like you. You watch him play; he's the best quarterback in college football. Maybe he's not having the best season this year. Statistically, he's you know very close. I I don't know if he passed Michael Penix in passing yards because I know he bested him yesterday. But you know the wins haven't come as much this season. But he just you know proved that again last night. And also, if the seasons would have been reversed, if USC was having this season last year and they were eleven and you know eleven and one going to the Pac-12 championship this year, fans would be ecstatic about the direction of the program. Unfortunately. You know, their success created the expectations coming into the season, and they haven't lived up to them. All right, we've got a couple more callers that we'll get to. First one comes from Michael Ortiz. Hi, Michael, you're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, guys, uh, super excited to call in and everything like that. So first off, I just want to say it kind of blows my mind how people are trying to still like hate on Lincoln Riley. Yes, he's made a mistake keeping Grinch. He's corrected that mistake, and, you know, we're going to move forward from this. My question to you guys is, you know, do you think Jen Cohen's going to leave this decision solely to Riley? Is she going to kind of give, like, her input on it, you know, or is she going to try to work with them to find a D.C.? You know, and then your thoughts on that. And then finally, I just want to ask, like, who are your guys' top pick for a defensive coordinator who you would love to see coming forward? Hey, Michael, thanks for the question. You know, I think the administration got involved uh, when Clay Helton had to get rid of, I think it was Clancy Pendergast, or was it Todd Orlando? Maybe was it Clancy Pendergast? Clay, I don't remember. Uh, maybe it was Orlando. I don't know. The administrator got got involved because Clay Helton was not a you know didn't have a big Rolodex, wasn't a strong head coach. This is a weird one for me. I, I definitely talked to people that think that you know the administration, Jen Cohen, would be involved, but Lincoln Riley is a guy that kind of controls things. Uh, I think there's going to be his my personal opinion this isn't sourced or anything it's just that's going to be his call because he's someone that is a strong head coach that has decision has made decisions um that have worked and won games and conference championships and gone to playoffs and all those things clay Hilton wasn't any of that and he just wasn't that strong of a leader and so the administration kind of stepped in to sort of like try to fix things um and uh you know that that you know bring in the cliff kingsbury all those kind of stuff so I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe involved somewhat, but my guess would be this is a uh, Lincoln Riley decision. I don't know what you think. I mean, it'll be a uh, a cohesion, uh, uh, what's the word of cooperation or cooperation, collaboration. Um, you know, because you're not going to go just pick whoever you want, and the AD still has to sign off on it and everything. So then the question becomes like, how much does Cohen's contacts come into it? Those type of things. Do they use an outside uh, uh, search firm? Do they use an outside source to help search for them? Uh, you know, there's different ways you can go about it, but it, it will be a collaborative effort, but it will ultimately come down to Lincoln Riley. Now he may be like, all right, here's my three choices. Which one do you want to pick type of thing? Um, or here's the two that I would be fine with, but he'll be the one presenting those two. Or it may be the other way around. And they give him three options and he picks one, but it would be a collaboration there. Like it's not going to be like Riley can't just say I want to hire, uh, I don't know, someone who's got like multiple DUIs and is a terrible person. And they just be like, okay, yeah, you make a lot of money, so we'll just do it. Like that's not going to happen. So I think the philosophy thing too is you need, you know, there might be some – uh, rethought, you know, rethinking of how you, the kind of person that you want to bring in, the kind of power that they would have, um, and, you know, how the defenses run. Because I was getting a new offensive coordinator, um, you know, Kirk Ferentz and his son, Brian, but 
Kirk Fritz is still running the program. Do you think he's going to bring in like Graham Harrell or uh, Garrett Riley? No, he's probably going to bring in someone that is going to focus on running the football and not turning it over, which is exactly what they do now. You know, just very poorly, but they don't turn it over. They, you know, that's like they're going to bring in a new offensive coordinator, but I don't think the philosophy is going to change. So the question for me will be: Is there? Do we need some philosophical changes on the Lincoln Riley side too of who you're yeah. bringing in? So I think that's that's part of it. Cause I, I don't that, think Iowa football is going to look a lot better on offense because they're still going to play sound defense and special teams and not turn the ball over. But you need to be this. You can't. You can win the Big Ten West that way, but that that's all going away. Like you can't just win ten to seven every week and uh, and then go to the conference championship game and get blown up by Ohio State. That's not going to work anymore. You got to change, you know, and I don't. I don't know if I was going to do that if they, until they get rid of their head coach. Yeah, but I think that'll be something that might be the contribution that the athletic department makes. It's like, all oh, right, this it, is yeah. the person that can help you make some adjustments to the way you go about things or something yeah. like that. I would say to the second part of the question as well about you know personal favorites. It's probably too early for us to have picked out a personal favorite, but that I is something. I right. said it, Dave Miranda. All right, there you go. They're good. Oh, that's still like a long shot. So I think Jim Leonard. Yeah, I was gonna say it's hard to deny Jim Leonard. Oh, ooh, it was like Kirby Smart. Oh yeah, I'll take him as a DC. I'll take Kirby like, Smart as a but DC. But well, like Ryan Day did. Like, what did the Oklahoma State have this great defense, and Ohio State says we're gonna take him. And you know, to be fair, Washington State had a really good defense, and they hire Alex Grinch, and it didn't work out quite as well. Or, or Washington State that. had a great defense last year, and Arizona State hired their guy away. And he's he's really good. He's good. So just get someone that's good at their job. This It goes back to my whole thing when they were hiring terrible athletic directors and terrible coaches. Hire someone that's good at their job. And honestly, one area to look at would be, and Jim Leonard falls into this, but you look for someone from the Big Ten because then you have a step forward on your opponents that you're about to take. So maybe a young, up-and-coming position coach in the Big Ten that's ready to take that step to being a coordinator, that's an option. Or someone like Leonard who has that coordinator uh, experience a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, all hires are always interesting for for uh, fan bases, but this one definitely should because there's a lot of different ways they could go about it. So we'll see. I mean, there's a recent uh, Big Ten analyst that just, you know, lost his job, you know, had to move on. He's got a ton of inside information on a bunch of Big Ten programs out of Michigan. You know, you could hire Connor Stallions as the DC if you want to. Uh, We've got one more super chat and then we can get to the the final comments before we round out the show. Alan in STL, he clarified something from earlier in the show. He says, Aranda comes from the Leach coaching tree. He was a grad assistant at Texas Tech when Riley was a backup quarterback, but Riley and Aranda had beef after a weird game in 2021. So that's what Alan in STL has to say. Okay, good to know. Hey, we can we can get over the beef, guys. I got you. I'll play the uh, the mediator. Mediator. We'll, we'll talk it out, guys. I got All right. it. I got you. Okay, we'll go rapid fire through these well, questions. We have as one we... more super chat. Oh, another just super chat. Oh, he just says smash the like button. Like this one. Yeah. yeah. Under the sun, three bucks to, to tell you guys to smash the like button so it means $3 to him. You should do it. Um, okay, Fidi Lamas on Facebook says, if USC gets a good defense coordinator, they say like Dave Aranda, do you think Caleb Williams comes back? No. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think so either. Um, Michael Cortez says, "Can USC fans expect to see less confusion in the next two games before the ball is snapped?" That's what I want to see. To be more than anything. That's what I want to see more than anything. It's just like line up in a defense and just run it. Yeah, so your low hanging fruit you mentioned earlier is probably simplification. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would and do that, that that can be detrimental because the opposition is like, all right, we know exactly what they're doing after a couple of drives, but. You, you, you know, if that's the easiest way for your guys to be able to play fast, 
And that's something. That's the one of the biggest things is playing fast. Stop thinking about everything. Play right. fast. And that's been one of the issues with USC the last two years is the hesitancy. And that's why you're not getting in the right gap because you're hesitant. Um, and you know, after we had our conversation with Zachariah and Zion Branch, I was chatting with Zachariah about the work he has to put in, and he talked about getting from high school level to college level and spring how much film study he had to do to be able to not be thinking about things and be able to play fast. So I, I thought it was a very interesting uh, kind of conversation. Maybe I'll have some more stuff on the yeah. war room next week. And real quick, like the offense was doing this too. Like they were screwing up pre-snap. If you remember the Arizona state game and they fixed it, like they weren't, you know, you don't need to be in the perfect play call, just run a play. And I feel like the defense is trying to get in the perfect position and they didn't change. Like they, the offense changed, like, let's just run the damn play and it's going to work. And it does. <laughs> and the defense is still like trying to like, Oh, they moved. Now what do we do? You know? And yeah. So, Make it, you know, just make it simpler. Whatever you got to do, just get them out there and and be sound. Like we're going to run this play. We might all run it and be in the wrong place. Whatever. We're going to do exactly what we're thinking about and not change and be confused. Oh, and they've got a you know, you've got a good coach on the offensive side. If you get a good coach on the defensive side, then maybe you can expect to see less confusion. I don't think you can expect anything going forward, especially you know in Autzen. It's going to be absolutely crazy there at 7.30. A buzzer beaters uh, super chat came in, $10 from Dan. He says, oh. even if you are an offensive wizard like Coach Lincoln Riley, it seems like you need to have a solid knowledge of how to run a defense. Certainly you need to make, certainly you need this to make an informed hire. Does Riley know defense? I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a smart head, he's a smart coach, you know, and I've, I've Coach Hyde, uh, Harvey Hyde this morning talked about he wanted to see Lincoln Riley go on the defensive side of the ball and, and start running some stuff too because you're coaching against defenses as an offensive coach. So, I mean, you know I mean, you know stuff on both sides. So, he would like to see him get more involved. Uh, Lincoln Riley said he was going to get more involved in the offseason. We don't know how much more involved he got. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I – yeah, I think you you coach football. Like, you, it's not just you know one thing. You know a bunch of stuff and – you know, you can have some ideas. I don't know if you shared ideas or if they just kind of kept it separate, but you're the head coach. I think sometimes you got to get involved in those other things too. And get somebody who's really smart on the defensive side and see what happens. Uh, like, you know, Brandon Staley might be available soon. Mm. <laughs> He's a really good defensive coordinator, not so much as a head coach, but yeah. There yeah. you go. Uh, another super chat. Thank you guys so much for wow. all the super chats today. Kevin Morris says he's got a name for all of us. Will Muschamp, the current co-DC at Georgia, former head coach, and was the special teams coordinator at Georgia in 2021. Seems like you could hit two birds with one stone there. Uh, the problem is Muschamp's never really left the Southeast. Yeah. Um, the farthest he's gone, I think it was Texas, I think he was at for a little bit um, as a DC. So that'd be a hard pull, I think, in that regard. But I would love it because it would make for great photos. He is in a psycho on the sidelines, which is makes for tremendous photos. Nice. Daniel Smith on YouTube says, what has happened to USC's pass rush? Wasn't USC leading the league in sacks before Notre Dame? And now we have just two total in the last four games. That's a great point. Um, and I think... It's gone down. One, you have, you're facing better opponents. And two, you're scouted more. And when you're going against better opponents that have tape on you... All right, now that twist, they're prepared for it. Or that stunt or that blitz that you're bringing, they're prepared for it. And they're just not finishing all plays, too. And it hasn't helped that Jamil Muhammad hasn't been great. He, like, he created so much havoc for other people at times. Um, it's because you had the pass rush from Barry Alexander up the middle. Teams are double-teaming him because, like I said, the spot beside him is a black hole. And then Jamil Muhammad was creating stuff off the edge. 
and that was helping push people into Solomon Bird, or Solomon Bird was pushing people in. They're not getting that group pass rush as much anymore. Um, and Jamil Muhammad's kind of fallen off in that regard. And then you didn't have Romello Heights available yesterday in the game. He was dressed, but he did not play at all. Uh, so Braylon Shelby's been in there. And yesterday in particular, they didn't really try to attack. You know, they tried to fall back, and their three-man pass rushes were not very good. And, yeah, uh, I'm not going to get the part. That's right. just being mean. Uh, there were a lot of questions about the strength and conditioning program as potential, you know, asking whether USD should move on from some of the coaches in the strength and conditioning department. I highlighted one from Earl Burwell on YouTube says, what about the strength and conditioning as the team needs to be more physical or is that just coaching? Uh before you get to the strength and conditioning, you have to recruit big players. So people are like, well, they're getting pushed around. Like, would you recruit defensive tackles that are six foot two, 270? Yeah, they're going to get pushed around. That's the big, like, does Bear Alexander get pushed around? Does anybody, if everyone looked like Bear Alexander, would people be like, Benny Wiley's got to go <laughs> because he's not made Bear Alexander straight? No, like, they just got, they haven't recruited those big players. So, like, you look at those guys, they're cut up, they're strong. Um, but they're not recruiting those type players, so their smaller players get pushed around. Yeah, it's really hard to like. They could have the greatest specialty, I mean, special, uh, you know, strength and conditioning program, or the worst. And it's really hard to say. You can't just say, "Well, here's a result on the field." Uh, oh, it sucks. Blame strength and conditioning. Like the strength and conditioning could be really good, or above average, or a little below average. It's really hard to tell. We're not in there. Um, it's not like a, a levels of expertise. I think you've just throw that out there because you're not happy with something. I don't think that's fair. Like you might be right, but you you can't know that, you know. And it's easier to see, I think, the the wins in the strength and conditioning department on some of the guys that were smaller before and have now been bigger, as opposed to when you're looking at the defensive line. Like, are you going to notice the difference between 290 and 300 on the defensive line when you compare to maybe a Kalen Bullock or Eric Gentry, who have both you know been reported to have gained over 15 pounds over the offseason? Like, there are wins there. Kalen Bullock looks a lot bigger this year when you compare to what he was last year. Are you going to see that difference on, on a D-tackle? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, yeah. Gino Quinones looked much different this year. He put on 25 pounds uh, as an offensive lineman. But there's a difference in an offensive lineman being 6'4 and going from 290 to 315 versus, again, a 6'2", 6'1", 270 guy and asking them to put 20 pounds on a frame that's not built for 20 more pounds probably all right we've got one last question on youtube and it, it, it's a bit, definitely a big one will the move to fire grinch improve recruiting results not necessarily but the hire of a new dc could change the they did pick results. up a commitment like right afterwards yeah i'm sure that's he's like all right grinch is gone i'm in like yeah the 2026 commitment no that, yeah, that was already he, coming I believe he said that he committed last week and it was just announced today yeah yeah, definitely a possibility. I think it is more. Yes, the next DC will determine a lot. Kind of like you know when they fired Clay Helton, that's not like commits started to come to USC. They kind of backed off a little bit. They're they're waiting to see the next hire. Lincoln Riley comes in, and then the commits start flying. Yeah, uh, Tracy had a, uh, a question real quick too, just about um, Darwin Barlow and uh, Rodlick Brown. Yeah, like I haven't seen Brown. He comes back because uh, you know uh, Lloyd, Lloyd. You know, Marshawn Lloyd's not able to play. His first touch is a touchdown. Dar Darwin Barlow comes in. His first touch is 43 yards to the one. And second his second touch. touch is a touchdown. Like, now we didn't see him much, uh, but pretty good. Like, yeah. Did I, see him again. Yeah. You know. It's, Austin Jones was playing very well. Yes, and yes. they put up a lot of points. It's, and 
and all plays into the game. It's like this game is not one you can believe. Like, why did you not run the ball? This is not the game you can say that because when they they didn't uh, run it much in the second half. I think they could have run it more in the second they half. They didn't but. run it much in the fourth quarter when they were down and trying to catch Even up. In the third quarter, I don't think they ran that much. But wasn't that when Darwin Barlow has a touchdown? Uh, they also punted twice. Yeah, like it's one of those things. Like it's hard to be, nitpick the offense. You know? And here's the thing: like you want to be feeling like this on defense. You this is the program you kind of want to have, where you're like, our fourth string running back is so good. Why doesn't he get to play more? It's like, well, because the third string running back is good, and the second string running back is good, and they can take over when the first string running back is out. Right now on defense, you don't really see that at many positions. You're looking for a starter to step up, as opposed to when you're talking about the offense. You're like, well, why doesn't wide receiver number seven get more run he looks like he could be really good look at what running back four is doing like that you're trying to build that on on the defensive side as yeah, well yeah instead of on the offensive side you're asking about darwin barlow who doesn't get play in time but marshawn lloyd's been fantastic austin jones filling it austin jones i think chris tweeted something about it. he's like a superhero when he steps in for an mm-hmm. injured star oh my gosh yeah. uh, he's always fantastic raleigh brown it was finishing great. runs like just he's yeah. not going down he's like getting those extra yards it's, yeah. and you know that was the they were able to run gain basically nine nine and a half yards uh, per carry for the running backs uh, so they were really good but like on the defensive side it's why is Zion Branch not playing more these guys in front of them aren't making enough plays and so that's the the divide that I think Jack is talking about mm-hmm. you can play, you can say oh I'd love to see more Darren Barlow but you're not like well let's take a lot of carries away from Marshawn Lloyd you don't want to do that. Yeah. You know, one thing you want to look at, too, is like some of the guys that you thought should play more or play less if they do against mm-hmm. Oregon. Like, I don't oh, think Eric point. Gentry good should point. come off the field. Like, Eric Gentry makes freaking plays on a defense that they don't make plays. So just keep him out there. I, I don't know what the liability is, but he's, got, he's making plays. He's, he's missed some gaps and stuff, too, in the run game. Cause like every linebacker on this yeah. team, um, he, he's not missing the tackles, but he's out of a line at times. Uh, there's a couple of runs where I noticed that like he's chasing the play, not a great angle. Their pursuit angles are just not good as a defense. That's yeah. something, I, I don't know, that's low-hanging fruit and you can suddenly fix it, but that would be one thing I would be trying to attack for sure. And tackling... It's something you try to work on all the time, but pursuit angles are something that has been—it's been a bugaboo for them all season. That maybe you can make an adjustment on as the season goes. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts before we wrap up the show. It's been an eventful day. A lot of stuff going forward. Ryan, I know this is your fourth podcast, so if you're out of thoughts, that's fine too. But let's wrap this one up with the last things that you guys want to say about the firing, the game going yeah. to this week. Anything you got? Brand's kind of gone. Bye bye. Um, but yeah, it's my fourth, fourth freaking show today, but it's been great. Like a lot of talking, probably like six hours worth of talking, which is okay. Um, you know, I could be digging ditches. Like this is good. <laughs> it was a crazy day because of the, you know, the firing. And we kind of put more in today because Shock and I are going to Vegas tomorrow, not realizing that there was also going to be all this breaking news. So it's just sort of kind of, uh, you know, piled on, uh, to this one, but, um, I know it's it's there's a lot of relief for USC fans. Very happy for you. I know it's something that you were, guys were harping on. Um, people were kind of getting upset. So hopefully you can enjoy you know these last couple games. Who knows? This might be the spark, like Shotgun was talking about, that you get you know get a big win up at Oregon. USC could get blown out. Like I'm not, I don't think anyone's gonna be surprised if Oregon scores a bunch of points and, and it's fine. You know it's a tough gonna be a tough road game. But who knows? You know we'll see. Maybe this is the spark that you need. UCLA is not looking that good either. You can always, you know, getting a win against UCLA is good no matter what. Um, so if you can't get the win at Oregon, I think it's really important to come back and try to beat UCLA 
in the Coliseum and then, you know, get a good bowl win or a decent bowl win somewhere. So uh, we'll see. But I just in the Gasparilla Bowl. Enjoy the ride here. Uh, hopefully it's fun. And if you're not a member at USCfootball.com, you can do it now for 50% off. So but we appreciate all you having over, over a thousand people on YouTube. And I don't know how many people are on Facebook and uh, Twitter watching live. So we appreciate you guys all jumping in here and uh, being part of the show. But thank you. Yeah, make sure you guys sign up. There's so much great content. Uh, I'm sure Dan Weber is going to have a column at some point in the next day uh, coming out. He had one earlier today. but it's just well, like, That was before the firing. Yeah. I'm saying after. Um, a couple of quick questions. Uh, Brittany Iverson asked, can Barlow redshirt? No, he's already redshirt in his career. That's not a possibility for him. He's already played more than four games as well this season. He's played on special teams some. Uh, the last block punt that I could remember that came to my head was, was 2018. Jake Russell the former walk-on, teammate of uh, Sam Darnold from San Clemente, San Clemente, that blocked the punt that was that USC scored again at UCLA down in the mm -hmm. corner. I remember that one really well. It was right in front of me. Um, and then tomorrow, Ryan mentioned it. We're going to Vegas. USC basketball season starts. It's going to be fantastic. Also, check out USC basketball's latest little like three-minute little mini documentaries that do. They asked me to be involved in it. I haven't even got the chance to check it out, but should be really cool. So check that one out. Make sure you like it and retweet it. Say you need more shotgun in your in your uh, content or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, let them know. But uh, we're, we're going to see the women's team too. Juju yeah, Watkins. For the first super time. excited about that. Seeing Juju Watkins play for the first time. We'll also actually get to see LSU play a little bit later in the day. The defending national championship championship team. So I'm excited to. Compare and contrast. How far away is Lindsey Gottlieb and her crew versus the defending national champions? And we'll see. I'll probably be at the tables, to be honest. But. <laughs> I'll be there and watch it. <laughs> um, and then we'll see the men, and we'll get our first chance of seeing Isaiah Collier in person uh, play. So the number one overall, the basketball programs, the first time ever that a school has brought in the number one women's player, the number one men's player. We'll get a chance to see them tomorrow. So if you're distraught about USC football and the outcome of that Washington game, check out tomorrow as we'll have some stuff on basketball. And hopefully we'll have some more stuff down the, down the road as well. But should be a really fun season. There's some big-time potential for both those programs. Both of them ranked in the top 25 for the first time maybe ever that they both at the same time have done it. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing what they got tomorrow, and we'll see, uh, you know, if, they, if they're going to be capable of living up to some of those expectations. And we'll see if, if fans want to hear about expectations right now. They've not been their best friend so far <laughs> yeah, this season. Kind of prove it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, yes, a very long day, a very big day in USC football history, of course, with Alex Grinch being fired, and we'll see where the team goes from here. I think Shotgun's point early in the show uh, was kind of the big thing that we're looking to see over these next two weeks. Like, how does the team respond? Will this be a spark? They're going to need a big one going to Oregon. I think Oregon's favored by 17. It is a, it's a tough place to play. Oregon's probably playing like the best team in the conference. So we'll see if USC can go get a win there. They have not beat a ranked team so far this season. I believe they're now 2-6 and six under Lincoln Riley. So we'll see what they, the spark is. They haven't beat a team that's ranked higher than them during Riley's tenure. Now, some of that's because they were in the top 10 for a lot of time last year. But yeah. That hasn't happened. So. And they're unranked now, well, depending what the college football playoff rankings is. But the first time they've been out of the AP poll in Riley's tenure. So they, they've there's still opportunities ahead, as I think as Lincoln Riley would like to say. And, and you know now we're just looking to see what USC does in those opportunities with with Alex Grinch out the door. And we'll have Chris and I will have instant analysis tomorrow from Lincoln Riley's first time talking to the media after the firing. That'll be a big deal. So make sure you're tuning in here on YouTube. As you guys have done all show, thank you so much for liking and subscribing and commenting. Thank you for all the super chats. That was amazing. Uh, get some good sleep after what's been a long day. We are going to as well. And we will see you guys on Thursday to preview the Oregon show here on Tunnel Vision. But a lot more content going up. Make sure you guys are checking out uscfootball.com. For Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling, I'm your host, Jack Smith. Thank you guys for tuning in to Tunnel Vision, and we will see you guys next time.